I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. This week, I've got a great electronica band hybrid, and I profile the final icon of Echoes, George Winston. Hybrid is the English electronica band that has been plugging us in for about a quarter century. The group is essentially the husband and wife duo of Mike and Charlotte Truman, and their new album, Black Halo, is born from the last two years. I think it's one of their best, and I'll be talking to them about it. Then, on the other end of the spectrum, pianist George Winston, the 30th of 30 icons for 30 years of echoes. All he did was propel Wyndham Hill Records into the stratosphere and launch a solo piano renaissance that continues to this day. His debut album on the label, Autumn, has sold over 3 million copies. But Winston is a lot more than that, citing musicians from James Booker and Professor Longhair to The Doors and Tangerine Dream to Steve Reich and Lamont Young. I've got an extensive profile of George with commentary from Moby, Peter Cater, Will Ackerman, and Philip Auberg. Traveling this summer? Be sure to take Echoes with you. We may not be on a station at your vacation location, but we are online everywhere with Echoes Online, our streaming subscription music service. That way, when you're stuck in traffic, waiting at the airport, or lying on a beach, just sync up your phone with the Echoes app and hear the latest Echoes shows, non-narrated shows, and exclusive streams. Go to echoes.org to find out about Echoes Online. That's echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S dot org, O-R-G. Or just download the free Echoes app. And now, let's step through a black halo with hybrid. Hybrid is an electronic music group from England that started out on the breakbeat and club scene, but has evolved considerably over their quarter century of making music. The group is centered by the husband and wife team of Mike and Charlotte Truman, and they've just released an album that is born in these times. It's called Black Halo. I'm talking to Charlotte and Mike Truman on Zoom from their home in the West Midlands of England. This is Charlotte's studio because it's uh, filled full of instruments instruments and things and grand piano in the background. And so, yeah, my, my studio is upstairs, but there's it's all computers and mixing desks. Yeah, and it looks things. more like the sort of um, the Starship Enterprise or something. It's, uh, it's quite mad. 
Looking around what I can see of Charlotte's studio on my zoom screen, there is a melange of instruments from a grand piano to guitars. And when we're talking about a sound on the track Seven Days, she pulls out the Irish whistle she played on it. I play cello, uh, basically anything that makes a noise. Piano, cello, guitar, um, um, uh, who zither, uh, zither. Anything I can get my hands on, basically, I'll, um, I'll make a noise out of it. Yeah, Charlotte's got a good collection of these weird and wonderful instruments. When we've worked on projects like film scores and things like that, there's generally some strange instrument which is needed. Yeah. So fact, it's an opportunity for you to look on eBay oh, and pick something new out. I basically. bought an oboe. It's like the other day I bought this um, Chinese whistle because um, we're doing something. Um, yeah, and I've got my uh, my D-pipe, and we're going to bring everything out. And yeah, there's zithers all over the floor, <laughs> and it's just a complete mess. They live on a family farm with farm animals. We've got um, alpacas, pigs, ducks, geese, chickens, pygmy goats. goats. We've got a shonky, which is part Shetland pony, part donkey. We've got (laughs) a shire horse and some other horses. Basically, the long and the short is we move to the countryside. That doesn't seem like the kind of environment that would spawn music like this. Charlotte and Mike Truman are both in their mid-40s. Mike sports short, shaggy brown hair and fashionable beard stubble. Charlotte is clearly the more fashionable of the two, with short, bleached blonde hair, full makeup, and a gray, nearly off-the-shoulder blouse. She looks like she could be ready for a photo shoot. Charlotte has a powerful voice that's quite a contrast with the typical ethereal girl, Electronica Chanteuse. I've always uh, been inspired by jazz and funk and soul, so that's kind of where my leanings are. So when I was a lot younger, my voice was actually quite higher, but now I've got older, it's sort of matured into this hefty kind of wallop. So (laughs) if you've got it, (laughs) you've got to have a go at flaunting it. Hybrid have worked on several film and video game scores, including movies for the late director Tony Scott and the X-Men Wolverine film. So when you hear hints of John Barry on tracks like Where Madness Lies, it's not accidental. Oh yeah, we're we're massive um, John Barry fans.
The two have been together since Charlotte joined the band in 2007, but some of her lyrics might have you questioning how things are going for them. I have to ask, after reading some of these lyrics, listening to some of these lyrics, is everything okay? <laughs> yeah, it's all good. No, it's, it's good. I mean, I mean, we just had our thirteenth wedding anniversary, didn't we, last week? Mm, yeah. So it's it, you know we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> and we worked t- together twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Which I don't know if many people could do that, but it really works for us. <laughs> just yeah. sort in of separate studios, separate. I might add though. Yeah, yes. we we couldn't work in the same room. Well, we could, but but it wouldn't end well. <laughs> They do seem like one of the happiest couples I've ever interviewed, but songs like Nails make you think it might be otherwise. Well, basically, the sort of overriding theme for the whole album is inner turmoil. I think a lot of people have um, written quite buoyant things after this whole coronavirus, you know, and obviously it's not over yet, but sort of very, you know, uplifting stuff. But some people have had real sort of mental health issues really, you know, quite strongly during all the lockdowns and all of this. You know, obviously people have lost their lives, people have lost relatives, and it's a horrible situation to be in. But the whole wave of the album from start to finish, we've written it like a book. So it basically talks about your inner struggles and getting rid of them. So when I'm talking about nails, when I'm talking about you keep pushing me down, that's not necessarily a person. It just could be something that's turmoil or painful in your life that you really need to struggle with to try and get to the end of. Hybrid's Black Halo is actually more concerned with existential themes than personal ones. The album opens with Flashpoint and an oration that sounds like the voice of God. And you, who never thought to question if this was how things were supposed to be, I convict your conviction. History is contingency and things could always have been otherwise. might will end in time all you held so perpetual all you thought was supposed to exist i only suppose to exist and may not one day soon yeah that was written by um, an author a friend of ours called james scudamore and he um we met him uh, quite a while ago because he wrote his book Reeking while he was listening to Disappear Here So, because that was obviously quite a dark album and we approached him and said would you mind writing sort of the opening monologue for the album and he came back with that after listening to the tracks and the voice is one of the angels that's rebelled 
who's giving a warning to um, the people of the Earth. That warning on Flashpoint is essentially everything you know is wrong. And that theme runs through the album on tracks like Truth from the Lies. The lovely orange man, not just Trump, but here as well, it seemed like there was a lot of weird stuff going on politically and people that should have been heard weren't being heard and then people were being stifled, you know, and there's the George Floyd and then the Me Too movement and all that stuff. And it was always the weirdest characters that were the ones that were taking the stage, centre stage, and not the people who should be heard and listened to. I think because everybody had been more focused on what was going on in the wider world during the pandemic, it did feel politically like there were more injustices going on which wouldn't normally have been allowed to continue but it just yeah. seemed like they were being perpetuated and, and nothing was being yeah, done about and it. And it was or... a frustration with people in general that, you know, that about these injustices and about the lack of equality and fairness. this age of singles and streaming playlists, Black Halo is a throwback to the days of the concept album. We've written the album like it should be almost a book, so there's a start and a finish, and there's a story in between. And we haven't gone for that thing where you go, we'll put the bangers at the beginning, so we'll do our be- what we consider to be our best three or four tracks at the very start. We've put them in in a completely organised way so that it makes sense to the story that we're trying to sort of convey. And we want people to try and listen to it from start to finish. Uh, you know, if they can. The penultimate track called End of the World seems to conclude the story in apocalyptic fashion. I wouldn't say apocalyptic. I mean, it's just more kind of... It's a bit of a bold title, isn't it? Well, there's a, there's a kind of twist, isn't there? I mean, it's not, yeah, you know, it's life's, not... life's being destroyed. It's just the fact that if you need to if you need to leave or if you, you know, you've lost someone, you know, hopefully you'll meet again type thing. It's, um, it's not quite the um, apocalyptic sort of um, as it is implied by the title but it's more about the feeling that even though life is changing and it's not the way you want it to be um, at some point you know we'll meet again at the end of the world sort of thing so yeah Call into the dark End of the World isn't the end of the album, though. That goes to Sky Full of Diamonds, which seems to leave on a high note. Yes. Yeah, that's the... Yeah, but it's, the... this is the, the thing of the story, though. So it's it's the struggle and getting over it, and then it's realising at the end that, you know, you can do this, you can get through it. You've got to see the wood for the trees and, you know, get through the dark places, realising that there will be a brighter place at the end of it. And that's kind of the leaving on a high. 
type vibe. Yeah, absolutely. So we're hoping that if some if people actually get from the very beginning to the very end of the album, we just hope they don't they get stuck in the middle and then, yes. and then they just go, <laughs> "Oh my god, I can't yes. take it anymore." <laughs> Get to the end of Hybrid's Black Halo and you will be rewarded enough to hit replay. It's out now on Distinctive Records. I'll have a link for Hybrid's Black Halo in the posting for this podcast at echoes.org. And now, the final icon, George Winston. Pianist George Winston launched Wyndham Hill Records into the stratosphere with his 1980 label debut, Autumn. The album earned four-star reviews in Rolling Stone and the Downbeat Jazz magazine and sold over three million copies. It also launched a wave of solo pianists that is still rolling today. We've had George on the show many times in extensive interviews and playing live four times, twice, in my living room. George Winston is the 30th of 30 icons for 30 years of Echoes. I remember when I was like roller skating down Venice Beach and I heard this piano music, being the guy had a stereo and he was blasting this piano music. I was like, God, what is that? Because I was already doing my thing. And it was George Winston. And it was the first time I heard George Winston. I still remember um, the first George Winston record my mother got. And it really, in, in a weird way, it was kind of a turning point for me because that was the first, almost at the time, mainstream record that was just instrumental. And I just remember we, we loved them and we'd play them over and over again. How broad is the influence of George Winston? Well, it stretches from electronica artist Moby to new age pianist Peter Cater, who we just heard, and goes well beyond that. Sitting at a grand piano in the Echo's living room in 1997, George Winston picks up one of the papers strewn at his feet and begins playing the stylistics Betcha by Golly Wow. This is only one of a hundred tunes that George Winston seems to have rolling around in his head and spread across the floor. Go out to his rental car and his passenger seat looks like somebody emptied their file cabinet into it. Oh, just songs I'm currently working on or lists of things. You can't use a computer in a car, you know, so just writing things down. Uh, one sheet of paper will be certain 
insights have been given somehow and now there will be a certain ideas for songs like what to play in Pink Panther or Bet You By Golly Wow, how to, you know, idea for that. Th- things that might be not even in the original pieces, it's just ideas that graciously come to me sometimes and uh, directions how to get here. George Winston's mind works like a computer, random accessing its data. He pulls up facts and figures, songs, artists, and dates, leaping from one to the other in conversation. That's how Wyndham Hill founder Will Ackerman knew him before he even realized he was a musician. (laughs) George George, um, started calling me on the phone. Uh, I don't know when it was. It was maybe could have been 77 could have been 78 and he would talk you know about how much he enjoyed my piece processional or or whatever that he was enthralled with what I was doing with Alex Degrassi's production or or whatever and um in in the very beginning it was great fun uh because I had a lot of time to spare and the rest of it it got harder and harder to do because George is the kind of guy that once he gets you on the phone it's like you know, you can basically just write off the rest of the afternoon. I mean, you know, you're in it for the long haul. And um, so I think that's when we had one employee, Jeff Hyman, who used to be with Kazam Radio in Seattle. And I said to Jeff, um, you know, you, could you maybe take this call for me, to, you know, George Winston? And he said, is this, is this the same George Winston that did the piano album years ago? I said, oh, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think he plays any instruments. I think he just, you know, he's, he's a musicologist. I mean, he, and a discographer. He knows every recording ever made, who was on it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Winston is a musical omnivore. He cites numerous sources for his inspiration from Tangerine Dream to Professor Longhair. And everyone he admires is great. The great New Orleans pianists, James Booker and Henry Butler. Wes Montgomery, the great jazz guitarist. The great slacky players, Caleb Beamer and the late Gabby Pahanui. There's a great pianist named Lamont Young. The great vocalist, Julie Cruz. The great mandolinist, Mike Marshall. I'm sure you and your listeners know. Winston has funneled these influences into one of the most distinctive sounds in solo piano. There are many imitators and acolytes out there, but George Winston's approach always rises above. Winston is one of those people who look the same now as they did about 50 years ago. Born the day after Christmas in 1949, he's balding with round wire rim glasses and brown beard. The ever-smiling musician looks like an old-time railroad switchman with his boots, plain work shirt, and blue jeans cinched tight. He started out in the 1960s playing organ in rock bands covering groups like Spirit and The Doors. To this day, I still, the way I play the piano is influenced by the uh, experiences I had with uh, playing electric. You know, I want sustain, so I let the piano ring out. I want a little distortion, so I hit the notes hard and overdrive it a bit. But I don't want to play electric, but I, 
I like being influenced. It's fun to like have it. It's sometimes you copy an echoplex and gradually fade out a passage, stuff like that. George Winston's early passion for the Doors has continued through his life. One of his best-known songs is Colors from the Autumn Recording. You might hear traces of WC, a little bit of Keith Jarrett, but George Winston was hearing the Doors. Colors goes into two chords in the middle section improv, and that was directly inspired by Light My Fire. It's a different two chords. Well, Light My Fire, the middle is... Colors is. It's just my way of doing that thing, and then this is sort of my light, my fire metal here. That sound would suffuse his music, but also he had an epiphany about another approach that made him pick up the piano, not the organ, as his instrument. Then I heard Fats Waller's recordings in 71, and just 30 seconds later, that was it. It's a solo piano, that's it. George Winston has played the music of Fats Waller, Henry Booker, and others for years in concert. But he's also covered music by Sarah McLaughlin, Angela Battlementi, and two entire albums of pianist Vince Guaraldi's music. In his own music, those influences take on another shape. Sitting at a piano on stage in Lebanon, New Hampshire in 1996 after one of his winter shows, George Winston explains how he adapted the style of James Booker to his piano playing. James Booker uh, played organ, or that was his favorite instrument for a long time, like it was with me. But he plays, so his little finger handles the bass note, like the bass pedal would be on the organ on the left hand, and the thumb and forefinger and sometimes the middle finger handle the rhythm part or the rhythm guitar part, kind of like this. And his right hand will say handle. I almost never play a single note melody. I like the full sound of having double notes. James Booker did that a lot too, so I would never go like... I'd go... So you got combined with the left hand. Say the saints go marching in. See, he'll put a fill in there like that. He, he won't just go and go. So he'll often have the melody going with double notes and like an answering thing.
Winston was a journeyman musician in the 1970s. He'd made one album called Piano Solos on the famed Tacoma label, best known for recording the music of guitar legends John Fahey and Leo Kaki. The album went nowhere, but Winston worked around that folk instrumental scene. Fellow Wyndham Hill Records alum, pianist Philip Auberg. He calls it folk piano, yeah. George didn't have the kind of same kind of training as I did, but we have a lot of the same kind of, uh, uh, not necessarily influences, but interests. We're exactly the same age. You know, he spent some time in Montana. We grew up in an era of rock and roll that was really cool, you know, I think. <laughs> and there was a lot of instrumental music going on there. Uh, keyboards were a really big part of all that music. Yeah, so George, we're good friends, and, and uh, you know, he plays some of my tunes, and I'm really thrilled that he does. It's pretty great. Philip Auberg's Before Barbed Wire is one of those pieces that exemplifies a wide-open sound in most of George Winston's work. In certain songs, I like that ring-out. That ring-out is like the sound of the great plains that go on endlessly, and you can see all the way to the horizon in eastern Montana. that sound that brought him to Wyndham Hill Records, Will Ackerman. I played a concert in Santa Monica and this long-haired, you know, bearded, bespectacled guy who looked just slightly crazy came up after the concert and, and um, said he was George Winston and did I want to come home and jam? And I said yes. And he took out a guitar and he played some of the best slide guitar I'd ever heard. I mean, just wonderful stuff. And I said, man, I, I want to do a record with you. I think you're great, you know? And uh, so it was, I was late, it was time, I, you know, I wanted to crash. And I said, you know, can I crash on the couch here? And he said, sure. And he said, do you mind if I play the piano a little bit while you go to sleep? And he played a uh, piano transcription of uh, my processional. He played note for note Degrassi's Turning, Turning Back, which is one of the most dense compositions I've ever heard in my life. And then went into some bolasette, and I was just soaring. I mean, I could not believe what I was hearing. And in the morning, I just said, uh, George, we're, we're doing a piano album. The results were George Winston's 1980 debut, Autumn. George Winston claims he doesn't remember that meeting with Will Ackerman, but whether the story is true or apocryphal, the results were the same. George Winston's Wyndham Hill debut album, Autumn, became one of the biggest selling solo piano albums ever. It was followed up by more seasonal themed recordings, Winter into Spring, December, and Summer. These albums became signposts for New Age music. You don't even have to mention New Age for Winston to go on the attack. 
There has never been such a hated and despised category in the history of humankind, and there's never been such an incorrect categorization. I just say, if you don't like it, don't have anything to do with it. When George Winston describes his music, it's often in pictures. That's the case with Tamarack Pines, which owes its themes to composer Steve Reich, and once again, Montana. Well, Steve Reich gave me the language, and the Pines was the picture. I was hearing a lot of Steve Reich, especially in Vermont, and it turns out he comes here to be in a different environment from New York. Winston even hears Montana and the Hawaiian slack key guitar. He first heard that sound on a Chet Atkins record, and that led him to the real thing. Artists like Gabby Pahanui and Keola Beamer. He created his Dancing Cat label to document this music and released dozens of slack key recordings by Hawaiian artists. Well, in slack key, I hear everything. I hear particularly Montana, where I grew up, particularly spring in Montana, which doesn't make any sense logically, but music is not a linear or logical thing to me. It's also the least well-known of the world's great guitar traditions. Winston himself is no slouch on the guitar, and he played some slack key on the spoken word album Sadako and the Thousand Paper Cranes. In 2002, George Winston returned to his earliest influence with the album Night Divides the Day, the music of The Doors. These weren't note-for-note renditions, but fanciful, sometimes dissonant reimaginings like My Wild Love. When The Doors recorded it in 1968, it sounded like this. My wild love went riding, she wrote to the sea. But George Winston heard a different sound. Doors keyboardist Ray Manzarek in 2002. It sounds like a koto. It sounds Japanese. You know, it goes from a tribal chant to it becomes a uh, a plucked koto. You know, just as a Zen monk sitting off in the wilderness somewhere. I'm plucking the strings with a nail, just like you would a guitar. And so a lot of the song is plucking and muting, playing on the inside. You know, I didn't really want to play the song normally. It's such a powerful song. And, you know, when I play stuff that reminds me of the deep forest or the desert, I usually play muted to get the echo, the wide open space. Sometimes for planes, songs about the Great Plains, I do that as well. Songs like this point to the experimentalism that Winston subtly brings to his music. He often goes inside the piano, plucking or stroking the piano strings directly with his fingers. 
Winston got to play on tour with Ray Manzarek. In a 2002 concert for Echoes, Manzarek said he already knew about Winston before the Doors' tribute album. Well, I thought he was an excellent pianist when I first heard him, and I loved his delicate and lyrical interpretations, and, you know, of the, especially of the seasons, you know, loved the things he did on the seasons. And uh, when I heard the Doors stuff, I was completely blown away. I thought, what a great idea. It's a great idea, and it's a great interpretation. I, something, you know, some things I never would have thought of doing. George Winston is still the standard against which every non-jazz or classical solo pianist is measured, to the chagrin of many, like Grammy winner Peter Cater. People do compare me sometimes to George Winston. It's honestly not a favorable comparison of mine. I'd much rather be compared to Keith Jarrett, of course, but I know I'm not there either. You know what I mean? George Winston is a pianist open to many influences, but one thing will always remain constant in his music. He plays alone. He's done some occasional sideman and collaborative work, but for Winston, those are aberrations. I can't listen to two people at once very well. I mean, I can pretend I do, and, but I'm very idiosyncratic that way, playing as a listener. I really want to hear one person alone. Winston releases music now, they are almost always benefit albums. That's another aspect of the pianist. He's given much to charity and has food bank drives at his concerts. Despite having several medical issues including cancer and a bone marrow transplant, George Winston has continued recording music and touring non-stop into the 2021s. George Winston is the 30th of 30 icons for 30 years of Echoes. If you want to get some more George Winston, I've got a list of five essential albums from him, and I've got George's 1999 Echoes concert recorded in the original Echoes living room. It's all at echoes.org or right there on your Echoes app.
If you don't have that, get it. It's free and gives you instant access to a lot of Echo's material, including the podcast, reviews, and concert streams. You can get it from the usual podcast sources. Next week on the Echoes podcast, I've got Robot Koch, the brilliant German ambient chamber music composer. I'm John DiLibretto. This has been the Echoes podcast from PRX. See you next week, tonight on the radio, somewhere in the country, or at Echoes Online right now or whenever you want.